0: what the actual fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians yours truly sammy previtt owner of fine food freedom and jenna warner owner of happy strong healthy we can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So, get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today, it is just I playing host. So, um, but I do have a guest on today. So, I, as in Sammy, I, I know you can't see me if you're listening to this, but um, I'm riding solo on today's podcast. But I brought a guest on today that I cannot say enough amazing things about. So, Um, we have Nicola Salmon, who is a fat positive feminist fertility coach and the author of Fat and Fertile. She advocates for change in how fat women are treated in their fertility journey. She supports fat women who are struggling to get pregnant to find peace with their body and find their own version of health and finally escape the yo-yo dieting cycle. Nicola has spoken on several podcasts, online summits, events um, on her website, which I have pulled up here. Honestly, we she has so many qualifications and so much experience that I'm not going to list them all, but she has her diploma in acupuncture from the college of naturopathic medicine. She has her diploma in naturopathy from the college of naturopathic medicine. She has, um, her integrative fertility coaching certification. She is a member of the association of size diversity and health. Um, so many, so many things, but I, I have been wanting to do this interview with Nicola for so long. Um, I had reached out to her a long time ago when my infertility journey had started, and I hadn't shared publicly yet. Um, and her and I had stayed in touch. And as you'll see on today's interview, you know, I share a little bit about my infertility journey, but I want to make it really clear that you know, I reside in a straight size. Normal, air quotes, normal body by society standards. So I cannot even begin to understand the discrimination or the oppression that larger bodied women get when they go through fertility treatments. And to hear the array and the variety of resources and education and skill sets that Nicola has to support people in larger bodies that are going through fertility treatments um, or just family planning in general is amazing. This is so needed. Like, I I just want to scream it from the rooftops and we cover everything about just, you know, if you go into a doctor's office and they tell you to lose weight and that's going to get you pregnant, like that's bullshit. Right. And I often say to my clients, like, okay, if a doctor says that to you, right. The doctor says, uh, you know, okay, you need to lose weight and then you'll get pregnant. Okay. Well, here's someone in a straight size body or a smaller body who a doctor wouldn't tell me to lose weight to get pregnant. And yet here I am struggling to get pregnant. And so it's, she just does an amazing job of breaking down the actual research around BMI and fertility rates and pregnancy and resources and just all of the things. If you can't tell, I feel like I'm talking a mile a minute because I'm so jazzed up. This this made me cry. This made me laugh. Um, I just feel so blessed and fortunate that we can bring this conversation to you. Um, if you do not already, please, please, please go follow Nicola. Her account is Fat Positive Fertility. We will say that again on the episode if you missed it. I'm gonna stop talking and just let you listen because this episode is fantastic. If you know anybody struggling with fertility, or especially anybody in a larger body struggling with fertility, please send this to a friend, to a family member, to a loved one. Um, this, This conversation needs to be heard all around the world, everywhere. So enjoy. Please do not forget to like, subscribe, and share. We appreciate you. We love you. So happy you're here, and enjoy this episode. thank you for being here with me today, Nicola. And I am so excited for this conversation. Like I was just saying off air, I was like, okay, zip it. Like don't say anything. Cause I want to make sure we record everything. So thank you so, so much oh, for your time.
1: I'm so excited too. I just can't wait to chat with you and explore the things and yeah, let's go. It's going to be so good. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, so I think I found you a couple of different ways. So when I I openly shared started sharing about my infertility journey on on our page. Um, I had a bunch of people reaching out to me and I had a client of mine who had read your book fat and fertile which we'll definitely get into and then um, a couple different intuitive eating counselors like you have to follow her like she's amazing. So then I followed you and then I think I messaged you because at that point I guess that was before I shared publicly I was like I want to talk to you but I want to wait until I'm like Publicly talking about infertility. So I think the conversation can just go so many places. Um, But I'm so happy that so many people led me your way. And I would love for you to just start with how, and you can take 30 seconds, you can take 30 minutes. (laughs) So you take as much time as you want, but like what has led you to where you are today doing what you're doing?
1: Mm, Good question. It has been a real path of many kind of twists and turns so the kind of the thing that i can kind of take it right back to was 20 years ago when i was 16 i was diagnosed with pcos and the doctor told me i wouldn't be able to have kids so at that point at such a young age i was expecting it to be difficult to get pregnant and the cure the the recommendation that I was given was weight loss so immediately you know at a really young age I was kind of thrown into diet culture and told that you know if you want to have a family if you want to do these quote-unquote normal things in life then you've got to lose weight and I wasn't you know I was just a normal kid like I wasn't um It was just yeah, wild that that was the only real recommendation that I was given in order to support my health. And that really led to years of yo-yo dieting, of disordered eating, of really struggling with my trust in my body, really finding it difficult to accept myself to, and just having this belief that I was unlovable, that I was broken, that in some way that. I was never gonna have my happily ever after because I was fat, because I wasn't able to have kids. Like, I just felt like I was completely unlovable. So that really kind of colored my whole kind of teens and twenties, which led to kind of, you know, not doing great in school at the end, like making bad choices in relationships. You know, I can see kind of with hindsight how that impacted choices that I made and you know just how I lived my life for so long. Um, it wasn't until I was a bit older, so kind of in my early 20s that I'd done the uni thing. Um, I was working in a hospital in London, and um, another kind of event, as if you will, kind of changed kind of my direction. So I was working as a scientist in a hospital. And um, a guy got shot outside my flat where I was living at the time. And it led to me being diagnosed with um, post-traumatic stress disorder. So I had to be signed off work. I was really struggling with my mental health. And that's really what led me to acupuncture. So I'd never had it before. I tried uh, medication. I tried counselling. Nothing was really helping me kind of get back to me. And it was just a pure coincidence that I went into this therapy center they recommended acupuncture I tried it and it had such a profound impact on me that I just decided on a bit of a whim that I was going to train to be an acupuncturist and this is no small feat like this isn't a weekend course it's like a four-year degree (laughs) so it felt like a really really bad time to make like such a big life decision but I did it I followed it through I was working again now that I'd, you know, kind of supported my health and found a way to work through that stuff. Um, And yeah, I qualified as an acupuncturist. That led to me specializing in fertility because of my own hormone stuff. Like that was what I was most interested in. And um, so that's kind of how I got into fertility. And the more that I worked with clients kind of one-to-one with acupuncture, the more I realized that I had this huge piece missing from my skill set in terms of being able to support these clients emotionally, as well as like physically in the treatment room, because Mm -hmm. what I realized and kind of, you know, through almost going through like a reverse fertility journey, like expecting it to be really hard for me Mm -hmm. was this huge emotional aspect that wasn't really being addressed by my current practice. And I could see, you know, as somebody who's kind of really empathic and really, in touch with how folks feel. I just felt it was a huge hole. So I trained as a fertility coach, which was awesome. And it really helped me to you know, fill some of those gaps that I felt like you know, I could really support folks with. And it was around this time that I'd met my husband. We'd got married and we were thinking about starting a family, and I was just expecting things to be so difficult. Mm-hmm. I was expecting everything to be impossible, that things were not going to happen, that we'd have to go down the ibF route. Um, but that wasn't what happened for us. Um, before we even started trying, I got pregnant. I was petrified because I had set myself up this list of like 10 points of things I had to do before I could get pregnant. So I yeah. had to lose weight i had to quote unquote get healthy i had to do all these things to make sure that i was going to be a responsible parent that i was going to be this and do this and and have the best possible pregnancy but it didn't happen and i spent the whole nine months terrified that it was going to go wrong because that's what we're told right like we're told that especially for folks in bigger bodies that our pregnancies are going to be you know completely filled with risk and illnesses and things are going to go wrong and then our kids are going to get sick and it's just I was just so unbelievably anxious Um, and when I was about ready to give birth I decided that I wanted to have a home birth and I wasn't allowed a home birth and just because of my BMI that was my only risk factor because my pregnancy nothing happened it was completely unremarkable um, But they said no you're not allowed that because of your BMI and it was the very very first time that I began to really dig into the research around BMI and home birth because this is what I really wanted and I realized that there was so much research to support the fact that it's actually pretty safe and it's you know it's a really great option for folks who want it but also that they weren't allowed to tell me no because it's my body and I get to choose And that was such a huge breakthrough in terms of really, really understanding that I don't just have to nod and agree and say yes to whatever the doctor says and that I have body autonomy, which means I get to make the choices about my health. Um, So that was kind of a huge like eye opener in terms of like, wow, the medical system can be wrong. And wow, like I get to make these choices, not some doctor or not some, you know, system or policy that's in place um, and the kind of the final piece of like getting to where I am right now was when my first son was about six months old and we were wanting to introduce foods I was just became so hyper aware of how I was talking about food and how I was talking about my body because I was very much still entrenched in diets, in, you know, having to then lose weight again after a birth. And like, I was just so exhausted, you know, not only from, you know, having a newborn, but from years of dieting, of restricting, of that taking up my whole brain of like everything I ever thought about was around food. So I just went cold turkey. I was like, no, this is it. I'm not doing this anymore. I've just reached a breaking point. No more diets, no more weighing myself. I quit. And luckily at the time, I was able to find community in like Instagram, the internet was around so I could like see other people in fat bodies living incredible lives, doing awesome things um, and not dieting and still, you know, surviving and, you know, and being okay and being happy with that. So it's been like a long journey, but once I'd taken that step, I was, I I just realized that, wow, like. The fertility world, which I'm in, so like fertility coaching, fertility acupuncture, is so filled with diet culture. There's so much diet culture in terms of how we talk about food, how hyper-obsessed folks get around food, which is totally understandable, Mm -hmm. but it just, it doesn't serve people. It just makes people more stressed, more anxious, and, you know, increases that, rate of disordered eating for folks in who want to get pregnant so I was just like this this is so wrong and fat folks are just not being supported because we are getting denied care and access so I was like I I just got to start talking about this because I cannot let this go on this is just not acceptable and I know in a parallel universe that would be me going through that and struggling to get pregnant and not being able to access that support and feeling like I had to go on every diet possible in order to get that access and get that care so I just realized that you know I am so lucky to be in a position where I have completed my family and I have that energy to give and I have that passion and understanding to give and I just really needed to start talking about this and supporting folks on that path so they just feel less alone because it's, it's lonely going through fertility stuff, but when you're fat, you have so much fear around talking about that because often folks will say, well, of course you can't get pregnant because you're fat. Have you tried this diet and this diet? And it's so traumatic and so shameful that folks just feel like they are the only one that's going through this and it's entirely their fault because they cannot lose that weight. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm so like, for, in show. <laughs> yeah. I'm tearing up over
0: here. And I think it's, first of all, just thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for everything you shared. And I think it just, I, I uh, there's just so many places I want to go. And it's just knowing exactly what you said and, you know, being an intuitive eating dietitian and supporting people making peace with food in their body, no matter what body they're in now also being in this, infertility world and and going through multiple rounds of IVF, one failing, um, we've never even made it to a transfer yet. When I shared my story and the amount of people in larger bodies that commented and said, well, this was what my doctor told me. Like they told me to lose weight. My heart fucking breaks because I just, like you said, the amount of diet culture that is in fertility clinics And the amount of shame that already comes with fertility to then have that layered on top of it, it makes like my arm hair is standing up right now. It just, it shakes me to my core because I just, I can't imagine, right? I have thin privilege and being in a smaller body, but just knowing what people have to go through in larger bodies with fertility and diet culture is horrendous. So your work is so important and I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing. Um, there's so many different ways I want to go with this, but I have one of your Instagram posts pulled up here that kind of takes it an extension off of what you were just talking about is, you know, evidence-based tools you can use to support your fertility journey. And I know you do different workshops and one of them specifically, I have a post pulled up that you kind of have some points here. Can you speak on at all just how, like why the recommendations our doctors give us to lose weight is not evidence-based and like where that comes from and just that whole, because, and just to use like a little side note, that's what a lot of times when I'm working with clients in larger bodies, we'll talk about this, right? The fat phobia that exists in the medical community outside of infertility. And they'll say, you know, I went in for a hernia and they told me to lose weight, right? I went in with hypothyroidism and they told me to lose weight. My response is always, okay, to that doctor, if I were not in a larger body, what would your advice be to me? Mm -hmm. Right? And I think of myself as someone with hypothyroidism, infertility, the doctors never tell me to lose weight. So why, (laughs) so why the hell are they telling these other people to lose weight? Right? And, Mm -hmm. and so I would love to hear from you. So why the recommendations our doctors give us to lose weight is not evidence-based in this fertility world and anywhere you want to take it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so layered because obviously we know that fat phobia and anti fat bias is just everywhere like you said like any problem any healthcare problem that you've got they can blame it on weight. And I think the 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 big big thing about fertility stuff is it's not just you, right? Like mm-hmm. sure your health, you know, is absolutely your number one priority, but what the doctors are often thinking and judging folks on is that you want to get pregnant you want to create another human life and because of the disdain that they view fat people they kind of go down this path of thinking that these people are irresponsible for wanting to bring a child into the world because we know that genetic traits get passed on and we know that um Fat folks have a higher risk of things happening in pregnancy. And that is nothing to do with the fat on their body. It's to do with the way that we're treated with the, by the healthcare profession, but they don't recognize that. Yep. So there is all this shame around um, the fact that the pregnancy might be higher risk. And the fact that then genetic components, which may lead to, you know, we know bodies are diverse, which may lead to a child having a, a bigger body, that is seen as irresponsible parenting before you're even a parent and so much judgment and shame and you know guilt for the for the person so I think a huge chunk of it is that the doctors are really judging that folks to even want to get pregnant and the the evidence around this is so It's when I go into the research, I find I have to do it in phases because it's quite triggering and it can be quite traumatic um, as a fat person to read all this stigmatizing research about fat people. Um, But every single time I do, what I find is that, first of all, it's not black and white. So it's not that, oh, all the studies show that there is a definite correlation between BMI and this increased risk. It's often maybe... 50% 50% shows nothing, 20% shows a correlation, but it's not um, the, you know, it's not statistically significant, which means we can't draw a conclusion from it, and about 30% shows this correlation. There's no causation, we can't prove that there's any biological factor causing it, but we can see that there's a trend. And what that tells me is that they are putting aside 70% of the research that shows there is nothing going on and focusing on that 30% because of their bias. We are all human, we all have biases, whether that's, you know, biases against bodies, against skin colours, against, you know, we all hold those biases in whatever kind of degree and scientists are not immune from that. No matter how, um, you know, factual the science is, it's the humans that are, you know, deciding what that means in terms of our real world, and that means that they are saying, "Oh, okay, we see this correlation, some of the data." Therefore, we are assuming that this exists, and the fact that it isn't even, you know, definitive from all the research just shows how wild this research is when it comes to what we are then determining about fat folks' care, fat folks' access, um, and in terms of all, there's a really, really common. Um, statistic that's often kind of thrown around whenever you go to a fertility clinic it's always like this if you just lose five to ten percent of your body weight then you are just gonna fall pregnant naturally and it will just happen but there are no dose dependent studies that show that there is no research that shows for every x percentage of your body weight that you lose your fertility increases by x amount it just doesn't exist and when we look at what's actually going on we know that when we look at different BMI categories. So if we had like two groups of a population who um, have higher BMIs and we uh, one control and one who are just doing the health promoting behaviours, so eating more veg, drinking more water, sleeping better, you know all these things, we know that their health markers are going to increase um, whether their weight goes up, goes down or stays the same compared to the control group. So we know that actually it's the health-promoting behaviours that are impacting health markers, regardless of weight. So what's happening is that when people are going on, you know, diets, they're changing their behaviours, they are, you know, engaging in possibly more health-promoting behaviours, which is having that impact and improving their health and fertility. But we're not separating that out when we're looking at weight loss versus the actions that people are taking. So. Of course it makes sense that you know once you start changing and modifying those behaviors that things might change and things might happen and your health might improve um but it makes no sense to say that you know just five to ten kilos is going to make all the difference because body weights are so different and it's not like there's a there's a one bmi that's under this that everybody's going to be fertile and healthy because smaller you know smaller bodies have fertility issues too so it's not just a fat folks thing so It's very layered, there's so much to it, but I think really it's, you know, the research is so misrepresented and folks, you know, doctors just assume that this is set in stone when actually when you start to unpick it, it just all falls apart.
0: Yes, I love that, everything that you just said, and I think kind of what you were calling on some of the determinants of health, right? Of Mm. we know that those who engage in the determinants of health Like, or if we're looking at the physical behaviors, like you said, stress management, sleep, you know, nutrient density, water intake, like all these wonderful things you can work on regardless of changing the size of your body. But when doctors are just saying lose weight, well, okay, some people will just Google how to lose weight, go on a diet, then they have an eating disorder. Like you said, increased stress, like that, oh, it's just, and I I think about... (laughs) Like I think about when you start going through IVF, right? For any IVF warriors out there and you're getting the drugs and they're teaching you how to mix it and you're going to therapy and you're doing acupuncture and you're like, and then to, on top of that, be told like you need to go on a diet or you need to fall. Like when that truly has nothing to do with it, when we can just be looking at these health promoting behaviors, it's just,
1: Oh, it gets, I get so angry. <laughs> like, mm, me too. I mean, just, mm. it just boils my blood. And I think one of the things is that, that drives me so wild about this is that, you know, these folks don't need that extra stress. And for folks who their weight is at that boundary of maybe being accepted and maybe not, like one of the side effects is I have IVF drugs is weight gain, right? Like these people are yes. panicking, Every single time, you know, every single morning, they'll weigh themselves because they are panicked that they are then going to go over that BMI limit. And then they are going to be denied their care. I've had folks who have been going through IVF, got to transfer stage and been denied transfer based on their BMI. And it's almost used as like um, blackmail for them to then be able to do that. They have to lose the weight first. And it's just, it's unethical, it's immoral. And it's you know, it's against people, it's a violation of human rights, it's just, you know, I do not understand how people are allowed to get away with doing things like this.
0: We are so excited to share with you guys a new product that Jenna and I have been using, and both of our families have been undergoing stress and anxiety. (laughs) Who hasn't, truly? Um, but my husband Luke and I have been trying the soul CBD dream capsules and it's been super helpful for our sleep.
2: So Sam told me that she, her and Luke tried the product first, and I was super excited because as a new mom, sleep is something that never realized how much I missed it until I didn't get it consecutively anymore. Uh, so I tried it one night, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I was a little bit nervous that that was gonna be the night that the baby was up all night, and I was gonna be so relaxed that I slept through it. But I gotta tell you, I tried the product, and I didn't sleep like a baby because babies don't sleep well. I slept like an adult and it was fantastic and he slept through the night too so like what a bonus for me
0: and I what I love (laughs) about the soul CBD capsules just for Jenna and I's sake is we love sleep and we love things that like actually improve our health and sleep is one of those things that we have control over from a behavioral standpoint so anything that can help our sleep we're big fans of
2: prioritizing sleep is often something that doesn't get talked about enough in the wellness world um, and so it is one of the core pieces of both of our practices is helping people prioritize their sleep and this is a way that Sam and I and our families are trying to do so at this moment. So with that said we are so excited to share with you that we have a code for you to try Soul CBD as well. You can get 15% off using code WTAF at checkout with www.mysoulcbd.com forward slash WTAF again that's for 15% off using code WTAF at checkout we are so excited for you to try this please tag us when you do and let us know how you sleep sweet dreams
0: so what do we do (laughs) tell me what to do (laughs) like all right where do I go what what do I need to do like
1: how do we fix what do we do I mean that's a great question (laughs) And I wish I had the answers. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, what I'm doing is I am talking to clinics. I am trying to put the research in front of them. You know, I'm creating research summaries so that it's in a language that they understand that actually what you've been told about this might not be true. And please just look at the research and the data. Um, I'm trying to train fertility health professionals to understand this research and to. Um, you know make their whether that's acupuncturist therapists make their um, practices more inclusive of fat folks from you know understanding this research so they can support their clients and advocating with clinics to you know making sure their clinics are safe and that their social medias are safe and because if you're not in a fat body it's really hard to see things that you don't experience yes. so learning from a fat person and really starting to understand how what you post, what chairs you buy for your clinic waiting room, how that impacts fat people and making that safe space for them because they need support because they are having to take on so much more work that they shouldn't have to in order to access the same basic care Um, and even then for so many folks it's still out of reach so yeah it's about training more people to help them advocate it's about educating the clinics and you know, as many people as we can reach in terms of like, this is dangerous. This is so unsafe, because like you said, people are just Googling, how can I lose weight? Because they want to, Mm -hmm. if they are told that weight loss is the solution to their problem, then they will want to do that as quickly as possible. And as extreme as possible, because we all know that time is a factor when it comes to getting pregnant. So they want to do that as fast as possible. The fastest way to do that, very low calorie diets, juices, you know, shakes, all these things, which we know super damaging when you want to get pregnant yes. because you know when we know that for folks who, who severely restricts food like that it can lead to things like hypothalamic amenorrhea which stops your periods which you know it's another stress on the body and can exacerbate things further so it just makes yes. absolutely no sense to me that we would be encouraging people to do this
0: yes so I would love to hear from you um whether you want to just tie in like general tools that help support health and fertility, but I would love if you want to also take it like the acupuncture route and how that like plays into your cycle and just really tips that you have for whether it's fat folks or just everyone with fertility. What are some of your, your basic tips?
1: so the way that i like to explain it to folks is that you know our reproductive organs are not in isolation they are smushed in with our digestive system with our kidneys our liver all the stuffs all together so we can't separate that out there is no thing that we can do really to support our fertility it's about supporting our health in all aspects so it's like we need to look at our physical health our mental health our financial health our work-life balance our relationships like all of these things impact how we feel and how our body functions and how we are doing on a, you know, a human level. Because so often we focus on what's going to have the best health for our baby, but we forget to focus on our needs and what's really important for us. And I think we need to bring that back to the top. Our needs, our priority should be 100% at the top of that list. Um, the three things that I tend to ask people... The fir- for the first time is often, are you eating enough? Making sure that folks are getting enough food because especially for fat folks, if they have been on diets their whole life, which so many people jump from one diet to the next diet to the next diet, um, we get this really dis- you know disordered view of what food should be and how much food we should be eating. And you know often we are not getting enough food. We are just not physically eating enough To support getting pregnant because we've been told that we only have to have 1200 calories or whatever that number is that we have been drummed into us, you know. And so I think helping folks focus on eating enough, regardless of what that looks like, is a really important first step into helping people make sure that they just have enough food for them to function. Um, The next one is around rest. So, really supporting folks with, you know, are you sleeping enough? Are you getting enough rest? Are you allowing yourself downtime? Um, especially for folks who have really stressful jobs. You know, I work just outside of London. So a lot of folks that I see kind of one-to-one for acupuncture have really um, full-on jobs where they're working really long hours and they just don't have any rest time. It's just always go, go, go sleep. And it's about really helping them find a balance for them that works in terms of kind of work-life kind of equilibrium. And I think, you know, the past few years, the past year, a lot of people has helped them find a better balance in that regard I think it's been one of the silver linings of you know being forced to for some folks at least work from home is that we've been able to find a better balance in terms of how our work life looks Um, but our culture is so so set on you know squeezing as much productivity out of us as it possibly can and leaving nothing else for us to enjoy so it's about know, helping people see what that might look like for them? And then the final one is joyful movement, like all movement that feels supportive to your health because joyful is not accessible for everybody. Um, That was such a game changer for me for my own periods Um, because with PCOS, I have like 100 day plus cycles um, and regular exercise, when I was able to change my relationship with exercise from a place of, I need to do this because I need to lose weight or I need to punish myself for eating certain foods or for being fat Um, to a place of curiosity, enjoyment, um, just trying to do things for fun. It made such a difference to my mental health, to my cycle length. um, And yeah, just to my overall enjoyment of life and energy. And yeah, it had so many positive impacts. So those are kind of the three goes to that I always check in with folks. Obviously, everybody's different. Everybody, you know, has priorities that are different in terms of their health and what they want to achieve. And health should absolutely not be something that folks have to pursue in order to get the support they need in order to get pregnant. It should not be a must, a necessary, um, because for people with chronic health conditions, that is just never achievable and it should absolutely be optional. But if people want to pursue that, then those are definitely the three kind of key areas I help and support folks with.
0: I love that. And all three of those align very well with intuitive eating. So
1: (laughs) Funny that.
0: Yeah, funny about that. So very familiar with all of those. And it's, you know, just looking at the work that you do, it's, you know, it's, it's so important that people hear this, that like, what, so what I'm kind of hearing you say is, if you're trying to best support your body for fertility, it's just taking care of your body. Right. It's not, it's not doing any there's no magic pill, there's no magic diet, there's no magic movement, there's no anything. It's just supporting your health and feeling the best you can physically, mentally, and emotionally, if you so choose. Right. And of course that comes a lot of privilege to be able to even go down. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would love to just, so those are kind of basic questions you start with. If you don't mind just sharing, I would love to hear just a little bit about how acupuncture fits in with any of your clients, whether it's fertility, non-fertility related, just for those who have never tried acupuncture before, what's your little elevator pitch on acupuncture?
1: Mm -hmm. I love acupuncture so much. For me, the the biggest thing that folks get out of it is that time to just switch off. Like it sounds so small, but when people are lying on my couch, they're not looking at their phone. Often your brain will still be switched on and you're like thinking about what we're going to have for dinner and stuff, but it's that It gets better
0: though. (laughs) My first session, session, I was like, I can't do this for 45 minutes. And now I'm like, (laughs) now I just go out like a light when they, when they stick the needles in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing. So what happens is you're taking your body from this chronic stress state of like fight or flight, which so many of us are in, and especially for marginalized folks, fat folks, black folks, queer folks, we are in this chronically stressed state due to the way that we are oppressed. So due, you know, that additional stressor of like, thinking about having to book that doctor's appointment and what's gonna gonna look like, worrying about if you're gonna be able to access stuff, like this provides that extra level of stress for us. And what acupuncture does, what its magic is, is it takes you from that stress state, it switches. So you can go to that, what they call the rest and digest phase. So that's your kind of natural, zoned out, blissed out state. And what that means is that your body is then able to prioritise things like digestion, reproduction, all these things. And it just really helps your body go back to that place of being able to heal, being able to, you know, focus again on reproduction and just kind of that homeostasis to that finding of rebalancing of what your body needs. When we're in that chronic stress state, it's prioritizing making sure your muscles have got enough blood flow so that you're ready to like fight the tiger, making sure that your lungs have got enough oxygen so that you can run away if you need to, and your brain's on high alert so that you are ready to tackle anything that comes your way. And when you're in that state, your body is absolutely avoiding digestion, it's absolutely avoiding reproduction because those things are not a priority when you're in a life or death situation. So a lot of folks who are chronically stressed also have things like IBS, you know, problems with their gut problems. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, 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 just raising my hand over here, over and over. <laughs> because that, that's what's happening. Your body's just going, hold up, we do not have time for, for making sure we digest your food properly right now, because we've got a bigger priority going on over here in terms of life or death scenario. So that is the magic of acupuncture. It gives you that time to switch off which none of us really ever get to do right now there's a really good book um and now I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it um burnout let me see if I can look it up it is and they talk about it in amazing ways so they talk about it in stress cycles so we all have stress cycles and um what we need to learn how to do is to complete those stress cycles so zebras are really good at this. And I love watching like YouTube videos of them doing this. What they do is once they've been chased by like a tiger or a lion, they just shake like crazily, like buck. They shake all their muscles. They shake their bodies. Um, and they, that's how they complete their stress cycle. That's how they get rid of the excess cortisol and adrenaline, those stress hormones that they've got going around. They kind of just shake it out, get another Taylor Swift going on. Love but it. the way that we can do that is, you know, crying is a really common thing for folks to do. And that's awesome because your tears can actually ta- contain excess stress hormones. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling stressed, it's a really good way of releasing those stress hormones. Um, but yeah, shaking, dancing it out, just really finding ways of completing those stress cycles can be really, really helpful. So the book is called Burnout, Solve Your Stress Cycle. And it's by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Um, and it's awesome, it's a really good book about stress and about how to kind of rethink how we think about stress and look at ways we can complete those cycles, which, you know, for folks who are experiencing stresses in different ways, it's not just like classic work stress, it's life stress, pandemic stress, oppression stress, like, you know, there are so many ways that that can show up in our in our lives. So definitely looking at how we can manage that is brilliant.
0: Yes. I acupuncture was something that was recommended to me after our first failed IVF cycle. Mm. And I did it a lot through our second round. And I'm going to knock on wood over here. We got some euploid embryos after we did a lot of acupuncture. I can't obviously say it was all acupuncture, Mm. but did no acupuncture in round one and then did it in round two. And even if god knows what'll happen but just the stress the the less amount of stress i had going through that second retrieval going through acupuncture was worth it, it i mm. i am now hooked on acupuncture forever because of how i feel after it so
1: yeah whenever it's I it's so I, blissful yes
0: it's just no matter if you have a chronic condition or not just from this, this stress response to really help pull down Disconnect from the phones, from the screens. Um, so thank you for explaining all of that because I think that's so helpful. So I could just keep picking your brain for hours on end, but I know that you're probably like ready for either. I don't know if you ate dinner yet because you're on a different time schedule than me, but um, and just winding down for the day. So I would love, um, Nicola, if you could just leave our listeners, if if they're walking away from this conversation, I know we covered so much, but if they could only remember one thing or one concept, what do you want
1: them to walk away with? So I can I do two? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. So then, So the first one I want you to remember is that you are absolutely worthy of receiving all the support and the care you need in order to grow your family. That's it. Regard, you were born worthy and then nothing has changed that. So you are absolutely worthy of receiving that care, attention need, And yeah, evidence-based care as well, because so often it's not. Um, And then the last one that I I just love to think about this, this is something that just inspires my work every single day, is that the work that we are doing now to divest away from diet culture, to look at how we see our bodies and what they're capable of, when you have your baby, you are passing that on to them. You are breaking that ancestral diet culture phenomenon that we have right now. And they are going to grow up trusting their bodies, having a great relationship with food, and just believing that they are capable of so much because of the work that you're doing now in believing in your body. And that kind of ripple effect just feels so powerful and so exciting that yeah, it just, it really spurs me on to do this work and to keep finding any way I can to communicate how important this is to folks, because we are giving such a gift to our future babies.
0: That was so freaking beautiful. And I, (laughs) I always say like, I'm like, can't wait to have a kid so I can just raise this little intuitive eater. That's just going to change the world. So I love that. And it's, it is, it's, our generations and the work that we're doing, like, I I often don't stop and think about that, like how the future generations aren't going to grow up as much, hopefully, knock on wood, with parents in diet culture, right? So it's going to change the game. So that is so amazing. So Nicola, for people who want more from you, one, where can they find you? And two, um, please make sure to share your book title as well and where we can get that.
1: Yep. So if you want to find more about my work, I'm on Fat Positive Fertility on Instagram. Uh, I share loads of like really accessible research on there, like reminders of like so important things like that you are worthy. Um, And just, yeah, lots of love and lots of support um, for folks who want to kind of learn more about the work the book is a really easy way to get started it's called fat and fertile and it's on amazon or kind of any other like online bookstores you should be able to find it um, and yeah it's just a kind of a mixture of research of my own story and of some coaching ideas to really help you start to explore any beliefs that you've kind of taken on about what getting pregnant in a fat body means and how we can really start to unpick them.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for all of your knowledge today.
1: My pleasure. This has been such a joy. Thank you.
2: Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod we promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics greatest guests and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit we love you we appreciate you and we will see you next week for a lot more fun have you ever wondered how to say good morning in italian or what is goodbye in french you can ask alexa just say what is happy birthday in german Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.